0: This is Sydney and Sierra, and this is the Living Within Stigma podcast.
1: Our mission is to
0: cultivate a
1: vulnerable conversation surrounding mental health for people of color.
0: We vow to you and ourselves to be present and authentic. Together, we will create a space of hope. Hello, everyone. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Living Within Stigma. Yes. This is episode four, Managing Relationships with Anxiety. And today, what we're going to be talking about is just that kind of how to manage relationships, whether it be friendships, romantic relationships work, relationships, work relationships, work, school, all things like that, and how to manage it, our experiences and our advice, and just kind of talking about how to manage those tricky situations.
1: Yes. So I just want to give a quick shout out. Um, if you watched to the end of the last podcast, then you already knew that we were talking about this today because exactly um, at the end of that episode with our special guest, Jada, we talked about an interesting topic and it had to do with romantic relationships. And I just candidly asked Jada like, when is a good time to express to your partner or someone that you're dating or, you know, getting to know romantically, when is a good time to express them and let them know that you um, have anxiety or, you know, you struggle with um, just being anxious and, you know, different situations and stuff like that. Um, And Jada communicated to us that she felt like that would be something good to share on the first date. And so we kind of talked about that. And so if you want to hear more about that, I'm going to just say, go back and finish that episode if you didn't check it out um but yeah it was such a perfect transition into this episode because we first want to dive in talking about romantic relationships and like Sydney said we're honestly just here to kind of like share our thoughts some opinions a little advice and more so just our experience um about it so I guess I can share something a little vulnerable first so I feel like I have been probably in two serious relationships in my entire life. And I've noticed big differences in both of those and that, you know, pertaining to my anxiety and stuff like that. Um, and I definitely think like what Jada spoke to is very true. Um, not even so much just in like when you tell your partner that you have anxiety, but just communicating that period. Because I mean, one, obviously in my first relationship, I was much younger So we talked about that in another episode too, kind of like how we were going through these motions and feeling certain things, but we couldn't necessarily put a name to it. So, you know, of course I don't beat myself up for not being able to communicate that to my partner at the time, but now me being a little older, I'm seeing the difference now that I kind of have communicated that to my current partner, like, you know, just kind of like, like kind of the details, like what, what are the things that make you feel anxious Um, you know, what are some of the moments where you know you experience heightened anxiety and stuff like that? And so, I just will say, like, I guess my thought is that it does work to communicate and tell your partner, and it makes a big difference because I mean, if that other person, you know, does not suffer or deal with anxiety, they don't really understand it. Um, and so, like, in some of those moments when you may shut down or whatever it is that you, um, do sometimes when you're kind of in that fight or flight, um, it helps to just for that person to, you know, kind of understand, like, okay, one, not to take it personal, and two, you know, to kind of support you through that. So,
0: yeah, that's I, yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like communication is really the key to every relationship with anxiety or not. It right. Just, you have to communicate, just communicate. Nobody is a mind reader, nobody can know exactly what you're going through but you so I think communicating like you said is really important and g- referencing back to what Jada said before is not communicating and waiting until you feel you f- might feel the right time say like me and Sarah are both really shocked that she said the first thing We like, were thinking maybe months in or you know when you feel more comfortable with the person but like she said it makes more sense to do it in the beginning because you're probably going to make yourself more anxious by not communicating it from the beginning so right it's like, And by having that, those anxious thoughts, like you're going to make yourself, I feel like uh, subconsciously start acting a certain way to hide your anxiety, maybe not to hide it, but you're going to, I feel like it can change certain behaviors that you wouldn't have to hide or try to avoid, like avoiding situations, picking, I feel like it can manifest itself in other ways into your relationship and make it more complicated than it could have been if you had just communicated. So I feel like being open is always the best policy. And I feel like once you do and you feel heard and secure in that situation, I feel like then you will feel more safe, more like at peace and less anxious. Otherwise, I feel like it's just going to manifest and ruin things that wouldn't necessarily be ruined in the first place.
1: Right, exactly. And like, yeah, what Jada said was honestly facts. Like it was super like eye opening, but it just makes like so much sense. Like, because also when you tell that person day one, this is what you have going on another thing to pay close attention to is like their response to that like how do they mm-hmm. respond to me expressing or sharing such something so personal something you know something of that nature with them like how what is their response like what do they say you know all those things those yeah. are nice little green or red flags or yellow exactly. flags exactly. to know early on first date in that way if you feel like you know what you know, like okay, my anxiety not necessarily is who I am, but it is a part you know of my experience here on yeah. earth. And if this person, you know, cannot, you know, gel well or mesh well with that, then For sure. maybe we should just end this on date one and
0: just no. keep, <laughs> call it a free it's, meal. It saves you time from reaching like that three month or however long you it, you would think to to say something about it. And then right. let's say the person reacts badly or let yeah, what if they say they react badly, then you wasted however many days, weeks, months, whatever. And it's like, you could have got that out the way and just skipped that whole period if you just knew from the jump he or she is not with it or th- cannot give me support. Or whatever the case or situation may be, you save yourself some time. Right.
1: So to segue, another thing that we kind of wanted to talk about um, was kind of like, overexpecting from your partner or um, kind of relying on them in a way that you probably should rely more so on like um, a therapist or just any mental health professional um, and just having those boundaries like you don't want to like how do I say this you don't want to like over consume your partner is that the right way to put it yeah, I, that's, so. I, would, I would say that's a good word yeah, like over consume your partner kind of with your burden. And not to say that, you know, of course, you know, they can support you and all those things, of course, especially when, t- you know, times are rough, like it doesn't have to be, you know, an all the time thing. It's fine if every once in a while, you may kind of over, you know, rely on that person in that way. But I think it is important to just kind of and like, kind of how we talk about here all the time, like fighting for your life and kind of putting the power back in your hands. Yeah. Um, And so you'd never want to rely or like over depend on anyone when it comes specifically to, you know, whatever mental illness or the symptoms you're experiencing with that, Mm -hmm. that come with that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, it's not really fair to them, especially if they, you know, have their own stuff going on. I think it's just important to like set those boundaries. If you know that you're in a relationship, either if both of you all are struggling with something similar to anxiety or anxiety or if one of you I just think it's important to kind of have those clear boundaries and know when it is time to like get help.
0: Yeah. That sure. goes
1: beyond just venting to your friends or to your partner.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like there's one thing with just communicating and venting to your friends. But I feel like you I think like it's just being mindful of how much you talk about. If the only time you're talking and when you talk is about a negative something or venting about so i feel like even if it's about your anxiety even if it's just a situation i feel like for the only time you're talking and communicating is about something negative i feel like that's when the other person could start to like take on your burdens or almost kind of feel sort of a resentment towards you if that's it's just being mindful of like having a balance of you know talking about goals talking about positive accomplishments as well as just venting because that could really have a strong effect on the relationship because then you're going to automatically associate like those types of things with the relationship, which is not, that's not the best way to kind of be in a relationship. I wouldn't say is for the whole relationship to be focused on a negative situation. Um, And, you know, some people are just more like helping and like list, like have a good listening ear than others. And like, so it's sometimes it's hard to kind of find that boundary but you kind of have to just be mindful yourself because other people might be willing to always listen and might say that, and they that's good if they are, but just being mindful for yourself that you don't start to depend too much on another person. But yes, yeah, right, it's really summed to that really good. So I think it's just yeah, about being ex- mindful. Right, and
1: especially like... I feel like this really also applies a lot with friendships because once again, I feel like, you know, I guess you're around a lot of people in your life a lot, but I feel like you could be around your friends a lot too, of course, depending on like your situation. But um, like a lot of times in friendships, I don't know if you guys see like those pictures on, the in- on Instagram and it'll be like a, a picture of like four friends. Right. And they'll be like, um, the mom friend, the this friend. yeah, the, Like, I hate that so much. Here's why. Because no one is, no one should have to fit one mold. Yeah. Or be one style of person all the time. And so for me, speaking from a strong friend perspective, <laughs> it is very hard for me to find friends. Because I feel genuinely like I am always kind of like, I don't know. It it always feels like sometimes my friends become charity cases. As Mm -hmm. wrong as that sounds, it is completely raw, real, and true. Yeah, that's. And because I have this strong persona, or because I have this listening ear, you know, advice, whatever persona, whatever. When it comes time, like one, like I'm noticing, like okay, I can spot when everyone else is off, and no one spots when I'm off. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that maybe that is my problem. Okay. But then on top of that, when I do want to like, okay, let me kind of initiate this and let me try to open up with my friends and get some support in this area. If you know the other friend is constantly harping or, you know, stuck on their issues all the time. Then it is it's it's hard. You're not really making space for that strong friend to open up or to lean on their friend because one they may feel like, oh, the other friend can't handle it because I'm always to her rescue, you know, and stuff like that. And so it's just not healthy, regardless if you think your other friend or partner is dealing with a mental illness or not, they're still dealing with life.
0: And everyone
1: deserves to be supported regardless. Yeah. So I think it's just important to have more of a survivor mentality and not so much a victim mentality, you know, like victim is kind of like a sensitive word. Um, I feel like I try not to use it a lot because it, it, it can be kind of like um harsh. Like you don't want to call anyone a victim, you know, but I will say that sometimes there are people that will come into your life and kind of just heart on things instead of actually I don't know instead of you know actually just wanting that support and leaning on their friend and being willing to reciprocate that or if Mm -hmm. they cannot reciprocate that being willing to communicate that Yeah. so
0: that's my piece yeah and like you said I think you said you really summed it up and I was really raw and real like and that's just the truth everyone you can't there can't be like you said with the whole roles of the friendships there can't be one person in a friend group that is the like let's just say the mom or the listener and that person is the sole listener for the group like that's not how friendship works like that's just not how that works like of course everyone has different personalities and whatever but I think like I said I I think I keep saying this but it's about being just being mindful like and that's for a lot of things it's being mindful of the way you communicate how you communicate and check on people who are like just check on people I just feel like that I don't know you can't always rely on one person and just noticing the differences in how people it's it's like you said it is very tricky to navigate because I don't know sometimes it feels like if no one's checking on me or I'm not check- it's kind of hard to, like not to place blame like you don't want to always be the person that's like Oh, well, this person hasn't checked on me, so I'm gonna not gonna check on them. I feel like that's a very not petty mindset, but also very it's valid. Petty. But also, yeah, but valid. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of a hard yeah because there's two balance. Like it's like a what is that called? A seesaw. Like at on one hand, yes, you should be checking on people who are checking on you, but at the same time, you can't. That can't be your full focal of your how you navigate relationships. Because at the end of the day, like you said, everyone goes through life and stuff. So I feel like it's hard to navigate which end of the spectrum to go with but kind of like balancing being mindful and having a balance of the two yeah
1: and I think that's really where the transparency would come in in that case you know like yeah just like because I feel like if you know it's it is hard like a lot of people will say like um what do people say um Oh, I'm gonna do you like you do me. Yeah. Or what is the famous 50-50? Like it's so many different yeah, quotes and little yeah. expressions yeah. around basically meeting people where they where they Thank you know you. are with you. Yeah. yeah. But I think that could be kind of toxic. Like Dang. I yeah, like it's 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 at the point where it's kind of like, okay, well, maybe let's just let this relationship go. Yeah. Because now what is that saying about you? Like, yeah. what does that say about you and your character? You're calling this person a friend. Yeah, but then you're saying you don't care about their well being or whatever, and because so I think that's where exactly. Yeah, and it really the reason why is because so so many people, it's just impossible. Like really, what this whole podcast is about—just people, not just what the stigma has caused. You know, in terms of making all of us suppress normal emotions like we can't say oh this hurt me to our friends so we just cut them off or we meet them where they're where they're at
0: yeah and like just do things that
1: aren't comfortable speak up say how you feel and if not
0: move on exactly I think like communicate 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 and I think that's where the change comes in like communicating how you feel about a certain topic whether you feel like you maybe you're not supported or you feel you need support or you just want to have a conversation just communicate that and that's I feel like once you communicate you see what has happened what goes continues after that communicating that's where you make your decision of how you want to move forward because like you said not all friendships relationships are worth sticking around for and there's a time and season for every person and body in your life but right I feel like you, you can't just make those decisions just from the jump you have to communicate and then see where that goes if there doesn't there's no change there's no you know act to want to do better then that's when you kind of make those decisions um right so communication is that sounds it's so cheesy but it's really it's so factual communication is key it really right is. and I
1: have like a, a cheesy advice to add <laughs> on to toss to the cheese but like um but seriously so actually I don't want to say anybody's name but I guess I could say their name but I just don't want to say their name. If they if they allow me to say their name, I'll put it in the description, in the show notes. But um, I have a friend, they're, they're actually a couple, but I'm friends with both of them. And they told me that like every week they meet on a certain day and they just have like, you know, chat, fireside chat, where they just talk about like any... Um, concerns or just you know like anything they feel needs to be talked about in their relationship once a week and I was just sitting there thinking like wow like this
0: (laughs) this that's good that's good
1: right but that's what I'm saying like it's actually up like after I sat and like reflected and thought about it I'm like this is genius though because at the end of the day like it is it's easy to say oh communicate 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 but But when your feelings are hurt and you are mad or you are whatever it is, shameful, whatever, it is hard to no, like sure. find is. the gut sometimes to speak up to your partner or to your friends. And so that is something I feel like, I feel like it's really good for friendships too. Like, mm-hmm. and it may not have to be every week. It could be once a month or it could be just something you walk and create. And then, you know, whenever we need a little fireside chat fire or whatever you want to call it, a little <laughs> chit chat, yeah. then we can have that. And then everyone knows like, okay, this is just, you know, an open space. Mm-hmm. you know no feelings will be hurt because it's when things are spontaneous like you just bring up oh can I talk to you you never know
0: <laughs> <laughs> no for real. You,
1: you know you never yeah. know what people have going on so sometimes it is better when you prepare for the Schedule. conversation yeah allow people to open up their hearts and minds and then you yeah. can communicate positive you know or negative or just concerns and I think that will help a lot with you know the
0: communication area yeah I definitely agree I feel like Sometimes you just have to, you just have to let go of the. I feel like when you don't communicate, that's when it kind of gets to acting and doing certain things that you might like. T- not to spite, I don't say to spite, but you do say if you're hurt about something or you're feeling anxious about something, you start to act on that without communicating to other person. So you're kind of punishing them for something that they have no idea is even wrong so I feel like like I keep saying it again but communicating but yeah that schedule thing sounds really good that's a really good idea yeah for sure um another one of the things that I wanted to talk about is in terms of communicating and with all of the different types of relationships is kind of just Mm -hmm. educating yourself on like once someone has come to you and talked about something that they're dealing with or experiencing is kind of just doing your own research behind the scenes and just looking into what that looks like. I mean, asking them, of course, about their experience as well, but kind of looking into more what it's like, what it is, how to give support. Obviously you can like make that more specific to the person as how they want support, but I feel like it mm-hmm. makes a difference when you can tell someone's trying or someone is put it, has put an effort to to help you like it's right yeah I feel like that's and I feel like that could be really important and integral part of like kind of working out a relationship whether it's a friendship or r- romantic relationship and kind of balancing out like the situation if, it, if it's a big a big deal for either you or the other person just like kind of yeah. doing your research and knowing what that could be like for the person because knowledge is power even if it's not even it the is. person that you're in a friendship or relationship with just having knowledge and being mindful of that because you're going to come across people who maybe you're not even friends with but who will be experiencing something and having that knowledge of you just you are more open and less I would say judgmental I guess yeah more approachable yeah you're more approachable you're more understanding and that's what really this whole like podcast is about is just being more understanding and having more knowledge about something will just make things a little make I feel like it'll make the world literally a better place It's, it's I mean there's a lot of other things going on in the world of course but just having the understanding and perspective of other people's experiences, I feel re- I feel like really helps.
1: For sure, um, and you know we talk here a lot about our beautiful Black community and how sometimes we see a trend um, of information that some of us may or may not have for a variety of different reasons. Um, one, because the information is not really geared sometimes towards us. Um, or like just kind of how we talked about like in our first episode, just kind of the lack of um, what do you call it? relatability when yeah. it comes to the mental health realm. And so that turns a lot of people off. Mm -hmm. maybe to not want to, you know, have that education. But we are trying to, like, you know, of course, break barriers and switch things around that we've seen in some of our families, particularly. Um, And so I just think it's important to, like, Cindy, like you said, like, not only to educate yourself, but once you educate yourself and once you feel like you have um, a good understanding of something, it's just important also to pass the torch and share especially mm-hmm. in your family i think in your family is a good place to start um and you know none of us are um saviors yeah. so you know it doesn't mean that that person is going to be eternally changed or they're going to just under, like no your job was just to preserve the information and then yeah. right to share and what they do with it from there is their business yeah but um I just think, like, kind of like you said, Cindy, like it, it is a great way to, like, extend that support to people in your family and to just some of the people that we love that may not be privy to some of the education or some of the information that you have. And that's something that we've been navigating a lot. Um, I just know, like, a lot of, um, in my family particularly, a lot of, like, the middle age, you know, like, we're all kind of, like, in our 20s, Um all of like the upcoming adults in my family, we have been, you know, trying to educate some of the older individuals in our family yeah. of some yeah. of the things that we've been privy to learn because of TikTok or because of social media, or even just because of like, we're in college, some of the things we're learning in school mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we actually kind of grew up, you know, in this um, era, maybe that they didn't. It's just stuff like that. So that's something that we've been navigating and, it's, it helps. It takes time, but yeah. it helps.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. Like you said, I mean, me and Sierra. C- don't I think have we said that they we're cousins? Have we mentioned that before? Yeah, we mentioned that. Oh, okay, well, yeah. So me and Sierra, <laughs> <laughs> me and Sierra are cousins. So when we have our Thanksgivings. Not this year, but previous years, we usually always just have a topic of conversation. I mean, the conversation just flows anyway because we're family. But I think stuff like that, with like you Sierra said, with the older generations who might not have like heard of certain things and it's easy to like especially touchy subjects like mental health and other subjects there's a lot often a lot of like kind of denial or like there's is a very different understanding and acceptance between the younger generation and the older generation um and it's very evident so like sierra said kind of just like sharing that and kind of navigating that is really important because that's kind of what makes the change once you start sharing the conversation
1: Yeah, and there's many different ways to start that conversation. Um, Something that I feel is very, like, beneficial, especially in um, the world's climate with us, you know, being um, in our own individual homes and not necessarily being able to be around our families, especially for the holidays, Um, family group chats and, like... I would say family group chats, especially because it would be kind of hard to just get on a Zoom and be like, okay, let's talk let's about talk this. Let's talk about mental health. <laughs> right. But like, for example, if you are on the web and you find an article, pop that in the chat. You don't yeah. have to send a big message, anything. Yeah. Those are just small ways that you can start that conversation and yeah. like, just be more open. Like, this is actually something my therapists share with me because, um, I was explaining to her I'm like I just wish people would be more open, you know, like in my family and just my friends, just everyone in my life. I just wish people would be more open mm-hmm. and more real. And she told me like that starts with you. Like then mm, you be that's more true. open. That's if you true. think you're already open, then be more open. If you think you're already vulnerable, then be more vulnerable because it never stops. Yeah. Um you can always, you know, be more vulnerable or be more open or whatever that is, and it always starts with you. So whatever good, it is yeah. that you're seeing that you would like to change, then you go out and change that. And even if it doesn't change it necessarily, you know, like we said, no, we're not saviors. So, you know, you can't expect maybe for everyone to be receptive to it, but yeah. just you feeling like you did your part is a, a, you know, a kind of that sense of fulfillment, like you're good, you know, I'm good Regardless,
0: yeah. So start that
1: conversation with your family. Yeah.
0: Please. We've been talking a lot about like group conversations, like you're, Your family in general, but I kind of wanted to bring it back to a smaller scale of say just your parents or siblings, like kind of one on one conversations, and not necessarily like the whole family. Even though I think that's just just as important, but there definitely is a conversation. Those I find those to be personally very tricky to kind of navigate, like the personal one on one conversations. And some of the things I found um, really useful is just in doing my research. I'm always looking on the internet for tips and tricks and anything to do with mental health that's just what I spend my time doing but something that I came across was um just like tips to start those conversations is finding like a suitable time and place and method I think those are the first steps they usually say is finding what works best for you Phone might be better for you in person might be better for you or, or sometimes even a letter I've written a letter not about mental health but letters can also be very helpful if you don't feel like you can reach it you know face to face um and when you're talking kind of like finding the best place to do it every situation that you're with a person might not be the best time and place to you know bring that up so finding like a good time where you won't be interrupted that's a good tip um and see I mentioned this also kind of just like we're not saviors another good like thing to keep in mind is that you can't expect too much from a person because in the first conversation anyway as like when you first introduce mental health or your personal situation you have to let the person you know go back analyze reflect and then maybe continue the conversation in in another time to keep keep on going with the support keep on going with how can we help in the first conversation they might might, um, might respond negatively which is not ideal that's nobody really wants to have someone reacts negatively to a hard conversation but if that's a case you can't always expect you know them to have like a 360 turnaround of or it would be 90 actually or be 180 mercy the math (laughs) (laughs) you can't anyway you get what I'm trying to say You, you can't expect them to have a a complete turnaround of perspective in one conversation those things do take time So just being kind of like aware not to expect you know a whole life-changing um results in just one conversation but to keep those conversations going
1: right and just another thing I just thought of um like asking the right questions is very important too like and it's another way that you can like kind of spark that openness and that vulnerability. Like I've kind of been checking myself. It's, I mean, it's hard to do it with strangers, but I noticed that from my interactions with strangers. So I actually work at Target um, and something that I've noticed, like I say the same thing to people like, hi, how are you? Whatever, whatever it is I say. And I just realized like, I feel like a robot. Like I just said the same thing, you know, same thing, same thing. And so of course, you know, with strangers, it's pretty hard to get too personal especially when, you know, people are shopping six feet, all that. <laughs> but it just made me think about some of those same, like just traditional off the bat questions and responses that I say to people. I love like, Oh, how are you doing today? Oh, how was work? Mm-hmm. Oh, how's school? And it's just like, are those really the right questions? Like, mm-hmm. is this why maybe like I was saying how I felt like a lot of people were closed off people in my circle, whatever, or I just was, you know, craving like more openness in some of my yeah. relationships. And I was like, Sierra, are you asking the right questions? Like, maybe ask things more geared to, like, how are you feeling today? What's on your mind today? And that's so small. Like, that's not too different from how are you, but it gives people a different feeling. Yeah,
0: Because people can
1: feel, like, I noticed the response, especially at Target, like I said, with these strangers. Hey, how are you? Hey, good, thank you. Like, they're not really, like, you know, like, actually stopping. Like, oh, thanks for asking or whatever. Because it's just, they know, I know. This is just small talk. So I think it's the same thing in your personal relationships. Like, people know you just want to hear, I'm good. Thanks for asking. School's good. Thanks for asking. My mom's good. People can tell, like, oh, she kind of, you know, she <laughs> asked me, did I eat today? Or, yeah. you know, she asked me, what's on my mind today? Or what's my mood like today? of one to 10, whatever. And, and so that's something, excuse me, I've been working on, trying to work on in some of my different relationships, just, like, asking different questions. Yeah, that is, um, wow. yeah, to be more open, and just more personal and just just be, like, selfless. Yeah. Because a lot of it really does stem – people might not be ready to accept this yet. <laughs> but a lot of it stems from just selfishness and being so over-consumed with ourselves, which is one of the reasons why we have so many issues with ourselves. We probably shouldn't be focusing on ourselves that much anyway. And taking that – all the focus off of us and just trying to think about another person and maybe what they're experiencing or, you know, how can I support them – and then kind of like how you were saying in terms of making the world a better place, you could just imagine if everyone is reaching out to help other people I mean not, not neglecting yourself, of course yeah but if everyone is less consumed about themselves, then we'll all really be able to like kind of support each other yeah. and actually be there
0: for each other. so food for thought yeah no that that really was like you're making me think so you like that is so true about the that how you were saying about the automatic responses and that made me think about the um have you heard about toxic po- positivity? I've been seeing that float around kind of on social media a little bit. And that kind of is the same concept of just like automatic responses. Like when you talk to a family friend about it doesn't even have to be about mental health, maybe mental health or just something else. And people automatically respond with like, Oh, just cheer up. Oh, you'll be okay. Or just be happy. It's like those autumn, like you think that you're helping because you're being positive. And I feel like there's definitely a phase a few years ago, even still kind of now, like, positivity positivity only positive vibes let's be positive like it's like the constant thing that people will say which is good I'm not saying we shouldn't be positive we should be positive but it's kind of unrealistic to be positive positive 24 seven. and it's just and not that people are meaning harm by those Mm -hmm. statements but it's like you said those just automatic like default responses that we just go to and so I said something oh it's gonna be okay oh if you're just more positive it will be okay or those kind of statements I don't know they're so easy to just say just off bat but I feel like those actually can be quite invalidating a little bit because it's like you're saying yeah what I'm experiencing isn't isn't worth feeling sad or whatever the feeling is it's almost it's kind of close to the gaslighting a little bit because it's like you're not letting me feel you're kind of kind of cover my feelings with positivity as if what I'm experiencing isn't real so that's kind right. of another food for thought, thinking about how you respond. And like you said, nobody's perfect. So on both ends of the spectrum, you have. To, if you're the person who might feel like you're receiving toxic positivity, also keeping in mind that, you know, nobody's perfect. Not everyone is intentionally yeah. trying to do that. But also on the other side of the right. spectrum, just being mindful of what are the first words that you automatically say when someone talks to you about something? We know it's hard. It's not. You know, no one's you don't. No one comes with a manual of what to say when someone says something difficult to you. Of course not, but being right. mindful about that is really, I think, really key when having these conversations.
1: Yes, for sure. And some of these conversations tend to happen in the school slash workplace. So yeah. we're gonna slightly transition, and we can like just talk about that a little bit. Um, Sydney, I don't know if you have experienced um, like. Any of these things that we talked about, or just anything anxiety related in general in the school and workplace, um, like, do you feel like it's necessary to inform your professors or coworkers, like, about some of your mental health
0: concerns? Um, so, in answer to your first question, yes, I have definitely had experience of like anxiety interfering with work and school in different mm-hmm. ways. I would say in work more so is just like, I don't even know what it's, honestly, anxiety is kind of hard for me to depict of what is making like sometimes you definitely know what is making you anxious. But for me, sometimes I honestly have no idea. I just know if I'm in a situation, nope. there's there's not really yeah. a, I don't have a cause or like this person or this situation is giving me anxiety, but it'll just give right. me anxiety. So, and I think it I've had different jobs and different work experiences, but in one of my experiences, it did come up in conversation because I was borderline, borderline panic attack or anxiety attack, and mm-hmm. so I mean it wasn't something that I could just kind of like brush past. It kind of yeah, had no choice. It could here we are. Yeah, it, it wasn't something that I could just be like, not talk about. So we had, a, and I feel like when it affects your work or when it affects. Like it, like you, I kind of before we said so if you need support and you feel like you need to be accommodated I feel like that's when it should be brought up I feel like, of course, everyone mm. is going to experience anxiety, stress depression at some point in their life so it's that's a normal thing every even if you don't life is just hectic and busy as for anybody. So, yeah. of course, your co- your managers, co-workers should keep that in mind. But I feel like personally, if you feel that it needs to be accommodated, so that's what in the situation where it came up and I was borderline anxiety attack, we had the conversation about what I was experiencing and why I was experiencing, not maybe why I was experiencing it, but what was making me feel that way. And we worked around, well, how can we make it so that this, we're not putting you in a situation that will cause you that. So, and that can be That's good and it's person it's really a personal decision it's not necessarily like a if you have anxiety you should tell your worker it's kind of a personal decision in wh- right. what you feel needs to be best for you because at the end of the day it's your life so you don't want to put yourself in situations that you're uncomfortable or keep putting right. yourself in situations where you know you're gonna you know that it's gonna trigger an anxiety attack or trigger something that you don't want to happen in a work setting or school setting so I would say definitely personal and just where you, like how we said previously, where you need support and like kind of t- keeping track of that. So, like, that's really a key, keeping track of your feelings and keeping track of when you kind of notice those triggers and notice those feelings come up. So mm-hmm. you kind of know when to like, not necessarily expect it, but know to how to eat, communicate that with other people. What about you? Have you experienced um, anxiety in like school? or work and how did you kind of go around it
1: yeah honestly I don't have too many um like thoughts not thoughts um (laughs) (laughs) I don't have too many experiences um in like the workplace Mm -hmm. similar to yours but I would say definitely in school Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever talked about it though like to them Mm -hmm. like um, so I guess I didn't find it necessary to, like, inform my professors yeah. or anything about what I had going on. Um, I just kind of had to, work through it. you know, yeah. make it do what it do. But um, <laughs> I will say, though, that um, next semester, I may inform some of my professors. Um, and not so much in a way like, hi, my name is Sierra, I'm in your class and I have anxiety. <laughs> but more so kind of like giving them... Not a heads up, but just being a little transparent. So like if I do reach out to them, you know about you know not understanding a certain topic in the class or just you know anything office hours, if I feel like you know the need, like i I'm overly overwhelmed, like you know, this is something I could share with them, I'm not gonna hold back, and I will share that with them, yeah, um going into this semester, especially since we're in a pandemic, like for sure. I'm pretty sure your professors will, like, understand. I feel like my professors would understand. Um, and it's not even always, like, for a grade or, like, oh, can you let me turn this in late? It's not even always just for that. Sometimes it's just, like, just so you know, yeah. you know? yeah, It's, it's just good for you to know. Just, like, if I had a, a learning disability, yeah. you know, that would be good to know. So I think it's just good to know. Um, and one of my professors actually, like, he wasn't... Um, I mean, I don't know if people were talking to him about things, but he was just, like, so kind to us. And, like, in his emails and stuff, he would, you know, always just tell us, like, you know, I know you guys have a lot going on. It's like a pandemic, you know, whatever. Just, like, checking on us. Like, it was just more than just the content or schoolwork. You can tell he, he knew that, we, you know, certain people had a lot of stuff going on. Really, we all had stuff going on, of course. Yeah. And, um, you know, he gave us words of encouragement. And so even something as small as that, I feel like if I was a professor putting myself in their shoes, I would want to know, you know, if one of my students, struggling, yeah. because, yeah, because the truth of the matter is, and we talked about this in the other episode, how many is it? A lot of people have anxiety.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I can't think of the percent. Well, I can't remember. Um, it, but I, actually, you have I actually looked it up. I believe it's
0: globally one in 13 experience anxiety. Child. Yeah. So
1: one in 13. So think about these big classes you're in, you know? So it's like, if one of your students comes up and says that to you, then nine times out of ten, they're not the only student. And so maybe there's something the professor can do, you know, to just help. Whether, like I said, with my other professor, it just be an encouraging word, which clearly actually impacted me because I'm still recalling it to this day. <laughs> yeah. So um, just small things like that. I think it definitely could help to inform them. And once again, also speaking out and speaking up, like I said, if I had a learning disability, that would have been on my record and you know it would have it wouldn't have been an issue or if I broke my foot when I had surgery I had to tell my professors it wasn't an issue yeah so it's kind of the same thing with some of those mental things that we are that we go through that are troubling us there's nothing wrong with sharing them if you so yeah
0: I totally agree and another thing I wanted to add to do with schoolwork is another thing I noticed in terms, not necessarily in the classroom, but kind of like in my own space with what I have mm-hmm. with a lot of my mind and my I feel like my anxiety, especially during exam week and just when you have like, you know, those, I feel like there's always that one week. In, I mean, it's really always, really, but I feel like there's always in a semester that one week where like, it seems like everything is due. Like, professors just have scheduled tests, pro- projects, quizzes, like everything in that one week. I don't know. I just feel like there's always that one week that is super stressful. I mean, yeah. college is stressful anyway, but one of the things that I, kind of know it's hard for me to focus on certain stuff because I feel like I have so many things in my mind that I can't I'm trying to I'm trying to like do three assignments I'm trying to do this and cook and try to do so many things at the same time that it kind of causes more anxiety so one of the things to kind of combat that is to work in concentrated 20 to 30 minute bursts and just try to like take everything else out of your mind and just even if it's not a, a homework assignment but try to just focus on one thing and like obviously take deep breaths and things like that, but just try to focus to give yourself short goals to accomplish instead of having these big picture goals. Like, Oh, I need to get all of these things today. Um, just try to limit your, your, I mean, I feel like my lists are always pretty long, but if trying to make break it down into shorter periods kind of makes it better than giving yourself breaks. Um, I feel like that's really helpful to kind of clear your head, try to clear your head of all of the, um, like anxious thoughts. Right. Going
1: on Love that. That is yes. very helpful. Yeah. So yeah. Um, quick little um brain break. No, <laughs> not a brain break. What is it called when you have like a a moment of like intense um y'all, I'm about to just read this. We going to talk about that in a minute. <laughs> um, so a Cornell University study found that 85% of what people worry about never comes to pass. Of the 15% that did go as predicted, 79 of participants found that they either handled the problem better than they would have thought or learned a valuable lesson from the outcome. So, honestly, the biggest lesson in this is to kind of like really think about what you're actually in control of. And place your focus more so on that, yeah. Versus placing more focus on all the things you don't have control on, control be- control over, excuse me, because of course that is just going to heighten anxiety even more, yeah. Because it's just like, I mean, of course you you definitely have something to worry about because you're not in control of it, yeah. But if you focus more of your shift more of your focus onto the things you have control over, mm-hmm. um, then you'll just. Be a little more relaxed, honestly. Yeah,
0: I feel like, yeah. And so yeah, I don't, yeah,
1: I was just gonna like, um, say I was saying a brain break earlier <laughs> because I was thinking, like, okay, this is like a brain, <laughs> like, a I don't know why I said, brain, I don't know why I said brain or break actually, but this is like a let's just say a nugget, a
0: nugget, <laughs> yeah, we love to a see brain it. nugget, we love to see it, but yeah, I feel like that, that's a really interesting study that they did that. 85% what is it 80, 85% of people people worry about never came to pass yeah. so that's basically I would say that's nearly 90% which is nearly 100% so a lot of the things that you know we're wor- not that you shouldn't be worried about certain stuff but a lot of the stuff that we do worry about it's just almost not to say not worth it I'm speaking to myself as well because I'm I worry yeah. about a lot of things too but it's almost not worth it because the things that we worried about and scared about then most likely I mean scientifically proven it's not gonna it's not gonna <laughs> come on Cornell University exactly, it's not gonna happen <laughs> so I think like Sierra said focusing on what you can do and just starting like I know there's a lot of anxiety towards around, like school and work like not feeling like you're good enough or just having anxious thoughts yeah. and avoiding just start like whatever it is you want to do whether it's a business an assignment a podcast a, a test just start a whatever it is just start that's the first step and once you start you feel better like because you've already you're already in it and you kind of less doubt yourself a little bit less since you're already mid studying or mid whatever you said whatever you're starting so just start focus on what you can control be mindful and yeah
1: yeah that is really all we have to say about Um, managing relationships with anxiety. I know that was a lot that we talked about. Um, But I guess we each can kind of like, we can each share, um, you know, if we could leave them with anything to take away, what would you
0: say and why? I feel like this whole episode, I've been saying communicate and mindfulness. So that's what I'm gonna say my takeaways are is communicate, 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 and just be mindful. Like, and that... Being mindful goes into, we could have a whole season series on mindfulness Come because on. it really is not, mind. it's such a simple word, but it really can go into so many complex things. I'm obviously not going to explain it right now, but just being mindful. If you need to look up what mindful means and how all the ways you can apply it, do that because I think mindfulness is really key and changes a lot of ways, the outcomes of things by being mindful. Love
1: that. And my um, I- what I would leave you all with, if you don't take anything else from our episode today, I would say to be open with the people in your life,
0: mm-hmm.
1: to be intentional.
0: Mm, that's a good one.
1: That's what I was talking about, about asking the right questions. Ask the right questions. Ask intentional questions. And yeah, go with the flow. I love that. Go with the flow. Be intentional.
0: Be intentional facts yeah facts 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 well thank you guys for listening if you made it this yes. was another long episode so if you made it to the end of this thank you so much yes really appreciate thank it you. please continue to follow and share our instagram living within stigma um we have content and a lot of things coming so you can see a lot more on our instagram so we're really excited for you guys to see all that's coming yes